Welcome to the J.D. Power Travel Podcast number two. This is uh, Michael Vermillion with J.D. Power. Uh, I'm based in Westlake Village, California, and I work with our travel and hospitality practices. Joining me today are uh, Mike Taylor, uh, who heads up uh, airport airline and rental car uh, for J.D. Power. Uh, welcome, Mike. Hey. Hey, John. And then also uh, Danny Corwin, who's our lead analyst. Uh, for the travel and hospitality uh, practice. Uh, so, Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Mike. So, uh, kicking it off uh, in terms of um, the topics uh, for uh, for this month for the travel podcast, we're going to start with the airline uh, uh, category. And, Mike, uh, I think that the first topic really is for you. So, we've seen a couple of announcements uh, regarding changes in airline policy for live television and for and for check bags. So first, American Airlines is turning on free live TV for domestic flights. Uh, looks like they've activated free live TV on the first uh, 100 uh, domestic aircraft, and they plan to um, extend that um, to 700 aircraft during uh, 2019. Uh, and then um, we're also seeing an announcement from Delta and American where they plan to raise fees for check bags so uh, both airlines are raising the first checked bag fee to thirty dollars up from twenty five, and uh, second bag will be forty up from thirty five. So, uh, so what are your thoughts on on these two uh, these two announcements? Well, first off, on the uh, live TV in American Airlines, uh, our data from our North American Airlines study shows that if you entertain people during the flight. Uh, allow them to use their own equipment or interface with a seatback TV, either watching a movie or live TV, that everything on the flight is much nicer. The, the crew is much nicer. They're faster to, for service. The restrooms are cleaner. Everything is great simply because you're more distracted. You know, sitting in a metal tube flying 600 miles an hour uh, for three or four hours facing one way is not the most thrilling proposition for anyone. So anything that can take your mind off of what's, you know, the actual monotony of the experience uh, is great. So live TV, of course, is nothing exciting and new. It's been introduced about 20 years ago or so by JetBlue. Um, But this is something different for American. One of the other things I noticed about that news story was that they were going to stream it to your device because study, other studies have shown that about 90, 94% of people who walk onto an aircraft are carrying their own screen, either their smartphone or their laptop or their tablet. And so it's just a cost savings not to put that TV uh, seat that uh, TV in the back of the head set headrest um, for you to interface with. It's a big cost savings, not to mention maintenance savings. And as soon as an airline puts one of those things in, it becomes out of date. Two years later, it becomes the iPhone six. So uh, it, it's a great move. It's one of the things that we found in our JD Power study that all the airlines need to do is upgrade their connectivity and their entertainment, what they call IFE, in-flight entertainment systems. And then for the bag fees, I'll just segue into that really quickly. You know, bag fees are, you know, people say, oh, how can you charge for a bag nowadays? You never you used to get that for free. Well, I've got news for you. There never was such a thing as a free lunch nor a free bag. You were always paying for it. Uh, but this is part of the disaggregation of things that happen in the airline industry to make that initial ticket price as attractive as possible. Because the airlines know how you shop for flights. It's much, very much a commodity business. You'll trade flights for $20. So if they can get that price down by $20 by disaggregating some of these services – 
such as charging for bags and stuff like that, that that will capture you as an initial customer. And then they're going to add in these costs and fees later on. The up by five bucks thing is probably a test to see how much they can actually charge before they start losing ridership or seat miles. Uh, right now, the bag fees are a total of a little over $4 billion, that's billion with a B, dollars per year of revenues on the airline's bottom line. And that's funding, obviously, that accounts for a lot of their profitability. And then also bleeds over into the airport business. So I think it's uh, some of the things we found uh, on those two particular topics, Mike. Yeah, thanks, Mike. So, uh, and another news item uh, that came up this week, actually, uh, with the airlines, is that United Airlines is testing a new boarding process at LAX. Uh, and I think what it comes down to is they're going to keep the five boarding groups, but instead of having five separate lines, one for each group, they're going to combine. Uh, they're they're going to shrink down to two lines. So, so the first group will get their own line, and then the rest of the groups will have to share the second line. With the idea that the um, the passengers who have whose board whose group hasn't been called yet will have to remain seated. So uh, it looks like that test was successful at LAX, and and United plans to now expand that uh, boarding procedure uh, worldwide. So uh, any uh, any thoughts or insights on that? Well, a couple of things, yes. Uh, one has to do with the actual airport space itself. So queuing up and having four or five lines or little signs that say, here's you know, here's group one, group two, group three and four and five. You know, you just need a lot of space for that to actually put the signs in and have people line up, which generally blocks in a lot of airports. And I'm not too exactly sure exactly where this would happen at LAX, but a lot of airports that blocks the you know, free flow of traffic that's not going on at that flight because we've all seen it back up into the into the walkway space um, outside of gates. Uh, but the funny thing to me always is, it's not really exactly, I shouldn't say funny, but it's an odd observation. The fastest way to board an aircraft is simply to say, okay, everybody on board. And that's time and time, every time they've done a time and motion study, they found that's the fastest way to board the plane. But what the airlines want to do is reward those loyal customers with a little bit of a perk and allow them to get on the aircraft first. And we found in our studies in J.D. Power in the North American Airlines study that recognizing those passengers who are loyal to you and have a lot of miles with you really does a lot to make them true believers in the airline itself and make them repeat customers. So anything they, they can do to speed up the process at the same time, recognizing those loyal customers is probably going to be a good business strategy. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Uh, switching to hotels. Uh, there was a story that came up this month uh, that took a look at the uh, progress of the, um, merger of the loyalty programs at Marriott and, and SPG. Essentially, the essence of the story is that they've made good progress, but there are issues and, and continue to they continue to face issues in this um, integration or, or merger of these two big programs. So, so Jenny, uh, just you know, from your point of view, uh, what kind of challenges uh, are involved in merging loyalty programs uh, uh, such as the one that's happening between Marriott and, and SPG and and uh, what are the, 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 some of the things they should be thinking about or addressing as, as they go through this? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's, these programs are huge, right? So that's the biggest challenge right there is the user base for both of these programs is just massive. Uh, they're two of the larger programs that we've covered in, in our studies. And 
anytime you take these two big systems that operate completely differently, there's a whole mess of technology issues. And that's what, part of what we're seeing um, in terms of their issue in the, the complaints uh, that we've cataloged in some of these articles is is technology issues, right? Points not appearing, um, the ability to get your reservation correctly. There's just minor issues, but, you know, happening on a larger scale. It's, and these are some of the most loyal guests. So you definitely uh, want to be aware of those things as you go forward. Um, but but the biggest thing that I'm seeing, too, is that it's not a, a hands-off merger from the consumer standpoint. From the guests, there's, you have to take an active role, right? There's a, especially if you're coming from Starwood, right, which is generally heavy uh, leisure traveler or business travelers, sorry, heavy business travelers on the Starwood side. So these are frequent travelers that have been getting these points for many years. So they have to learn a whole new system. So just from the traveler standpoint, becoming educated about how these things are going to merge together, what's going to happen with your points. Um, and you do have to take an active role in merging your two accounts if you have two accounts. There's nothing behind the scenes that's going to automatically merge them. It's going to be available from what I can understand on um, the Marriott Rewards website to, to merge both accounts. You should be able to see both when you log in, but you actually have to physically uh, complete some steps in order for that to happen. So as a consumer, in order to make sure you're you're getting the most out of your programs, you, you do want to make sure you're informed. And um, I think from the standpoint of the rewards programs, I think they might want to staff up a little bit. You know, we're seeing some issues with um, call centers not managing uh, the calls in such a timely manner. So just for this period of transition, it is a lower occupancy period. At least they've chosen to really do the heavy lifting of their merger um, outside of the, you know, heavy summer travel season and before the heavy holiday travel season. So I think they picked the right time to do it, but um, it, there's definitely going to be, be some bumps and, and it's not to be, uh, it's not unexpected. So we've seen this before with other mergers, but. Okay, thanks, Jenny. Uh, uh, Mike, switching to, to airports, uh, J.D. Power released the 2018 uh, North American Airport Satisfaction Study last week, and a couple of headlines coming out of that. Uh, number one, uh, we saw a tie in the mega category between Las Vegas and Orlando. Uh, second headline uh, coming out of that was the fact that satisfaction actually went up in 2018, despite the fact that we saw record passenger volume and very large construction projects uh, going on at the same time. So, so what's the, what are some of the key takeaways from, from this year's study and, and what should we, uh, what should we expect in 2019? Well, I'll start with the second part first. Um, we asked a few questions in the North American airport study about crowding and uh, congestion. One of them is congestion on the roadways into the airport. And this is basically Department of Transportation roads, you know, getting into the parking lot, basically getting up to the front as you're dropping someone off. Uh, that's what we're asking them to evaluate. And we found that held pretty much steady from last year, which meant traffic vehicular traffic was probably about the same as it was last year. But then when we asked the question, what about congestion and crowding in the terminal, we fought, saw big jumps of like almost 30%, um, you know, going from 27% to 47% of mega airport passengers thinking that the airport is somewhat moderately or heavily crowded. So it's really impacting the interior of the airport itself. But on the other hand, 
the successful strategy that we've seen in airports employ, employing for the last 20 years is giving those people something to do. And this is very akin to the, one of the topics we had at the top of the hour, which is entertaining pe- people while they're waiting. And uh, airports have gotten much better at that, offering food, beverage, and retail uh, you know, that's stimulating and of high quality. And people are very willing to part with their money. Uh, one of the artifacts from our study is that people rating the airport 10 out of 10 spend almost twice as much money as those people rating, rating the airport experience a seven. So, you know, they find something they want to buy and, they're in, and they enjoy it. So that's, uh, that's that congestion uh, part of it, uh, part of your question. Uh, we are seeing, we did see some construction projects finish. This coming year is going to see some major ones start, though. LAX, uh, their access project is going to ramp up in this coming year. Uh, Chicago is going to go in and out of phases of construction. It's going to affect that access uh, for vehicular traffic. And then Boston is going to take down a building, an entire office building, and is right next to the roadway, the only roadway that goes through Boston itself. So we're going to see some, quite a few changes in the coming year. And as far as the ties, uh, you know, Las Vegas and Orlando, uh, Las Vegas has been on the move up our rankings in the last couple of years. Um, they've really made a concerted effort to pay attention to the heavy factors, uh, the heaviest factors in the airport experience, which are the terminal facilities themselves. And also, they've always had great access scores. If you've been to the Las Vegas airport, you know, it's almost ideally so, uh, situated uh, versus the Strip and the rest of downtown Las Vegas. Uh, great views from the airport itself and easy to get to. So they've done a lot of you know, structural improvements and a lot of process improvements that allowed them to, to tie Orlando, which has always been a, a very well-run, very well-managed airport in our study. Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, Jenny, last topic. Let, let's let's move to apps in the travel space. And, and so we we saw recently an announcement from Hilton that they're continuing to invest in and expand their Hilton Honors app. Uh, so they're adding a new feature called Explore. Uh, so Explore is going to be uh, the essentially a feature that's going to uh, enable app users to get location-based suggestions for dining and entertainment and, and more. And, and this just seems to be yet another uh, feature uh, that Hilton has added uh, that's really kind of moving more and more towards the road of uh, personalization and extending uh, capabilities such as um, digital key and that kind of thing. So uh, does this um, surprise you uh, in terms of, of this announcement? Are we going to expect to see similar announcements from the other um, hotel brand uh, and hotel uh, apps? Yeah, I, I think this is a great move by Hilton. Very, it's very smart, and I, I think we should see things like this in the future from other apps, too. Um, what we've seen in some of our data is, is engagement drives knowledge, drives satisfaction with any experience, right? So basically, by doing this, Hilton's got a great way to encourage their guests to engage with their app more. Um, and, and this app does everything, right? So it's got their Hilton honors points. It could be your digital key. So it can help facilitate things on property that are going to reduce stresses on the front desk, maybe on the concierge by adding these things. Uh, and, and it's going to 
be a reason for the user or the guest to engage with your brand a bit more and learn more about what you have to offer. Uh, the other thing, obviously, is, is this has a local feel, right? It's, it's really, what can I do to enhance my experience in this place that I may not be familiar with, right? And so we know from other guest satisfaction research that we've done that um, providing a local experience does enhance satisfaction, uh, especially in uh, the, the guest experience at the hotel space, but across any part of travel. So um, I, I know Hilton has, has done a lot to invest in their app. And right now I, their app has as many uh, features as any other hotel app out there, I believe, if not some more, uh, particularly with this Foursquare edition. So um, I think they're really trying to push guests to use their app a bit more. And, and I think it's going to pay off in the long run um, in terms of increased loyalty and satisfaction. And I, I don't think that they're going to be the, the only one to add something like this uh, to their app. I don't know if there'll be other similar partnerships or maybe some hotels will take a stab at doing it themselves. But uh, yeah, we'll see what's more. To, I'm sure there's more to come in this area. So Jenny and Mike, that's a, that's a wrap for this, uh, this J.D. Power Travel podcast. So thanks for joining us, and, and thanks for everyone listening today. And please join us next time for the next J.D. Power Travel Podcast. <laughs>